This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. by the pseudonym Bo It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snerdly. Welcome to your Friday Rush Hour. James Golden here, a.k.a. That's right, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly. If you want to be part of today's program, 800 848 is the number to call, 1-800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And, of course, as always, plenty going on in this fair city and elsewhere in the country. The outrageous Biden budget proposal, which, by the way, is not going to become law. Is still under discussion. I don't know those of you who sadly torture yourselves by watching The View uh, saw the uh, the feminist dynast- the feminist uh, um, person Jane Fonda on Jane Fonda today suggested. She was going on and on about abortion and how, you know, she doesn't care what the law says, of course, which is an interesting admission. They don't care what the law says. The left never does care what the law says. We're supposed to respect the law when it works for liberals. But when it comes to liberals respecting the law that works for when when they don't like it, no. She was very plain. She doesn't care about the law. And then they asked, well, what can you do with Joy Behar? What can you do? She basically said, we can murder Republicans. And Joy quickly tried to jump in there. Oh, no, no, she's just kidding. She's just kidding. And she shot Joy and looked like, no, I'm not. That's the way I interpreted the look. I don't know what she meant by the look. But, uh, yeah. Now, she's only kidding. Suggested murder. Murder. Which is a very strange argument. But then again, not really a strange argument since she's so pro-abortion. Murder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a story in the uh, Los Angeles Times. Scott, this one's right up your alley. <clears throat> I, I enjoy things that are up my alley. Okay. The story is. <laughs> oh, boy. The story is. You know, I, Bob Brown, I think I'm going to have to. Is Bob. Is, I'm going to have to. Get Bob in here for a minute, too, because this story is different, and I would like to get opinions from 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 both Bob and Scott, and as well as the rest of the crew on this one, 
it's it's circulating. Hello, hello, James. Sorry, Hi, I was. Bob. You gotta. Uh, st- I was not in the loop in the very beginning. What are we talking about? You're not in the loop now because I'm just stalling till you got oh, here. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was late to the loop. Okay. No, you're not late to the loop. You're right on time okay. to the loop. Okay, fire. Okay, on. so there's a story in the Los Angeles Times today, and I'd like you and Scott to comment on it, and because it concerns driving. And the story headline in the today's Los Angeles Times, how white and affluent drivers are polluting the air breathed by L.A.'s people of color. So, (laughs) here's the gist of the story, uh, Bob. The guy that writes it says he's been driving in Los Angeles for, you know, like many Angelinos, he spends a lot of time behind the wheel of his car. He drives from the West Side apartment to Dodger Stadium mm-hmm. near downtown and further east to hike. And, and then he goes sometimes and drives somewhere oh, where I, he can I go see hike. What you're I see what you're saying. So the he, white affluent suburban drivers driving downtown are being breathed in by the... Um, uh, African-American population. In, By the people the of color, not right. just African-American. People of color. Because okay. some Hispanics have right. color, too. People. There are white Hispanics. There are, you know, we right. learned that during, uh, what's his name? The guy, Trayvon Martin. Right. He was the white Hispanic. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. So anyway, he says he couldn't help but consider his own complicity. Complicity! While reading a new study from USC researchers, finding that Angelinos who drive more tend to be exposed to less air pollution. And Angelinos who drive less tend to be exposed to more pollution. It may sound like a paradox, but it's not. It's the function of the racism Mm -hmm. that shaped Los Angeles and its suburb, and it continues to influence our daily lives. Here's what happened. Let me give you the long and short of it. Bunch of you white guys came in, and you started disrupting neighborhoods that black people and people of color live in. You run your highways through there, and then you drive through these places. You don't stop in these places because, you know, you don't like these people. You just drive through their neighborhoods to get to where you're going. You're going to go hiking. You drive past them, and you pollute their air on your way to take your nice little nature hikes. Or when you go to, to work somewhere, you go to you know go out to enjoy yourself, and 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 so all this while you're polluting the co- the, the black people, the people of color. Correct. I started to call them the colored people, but that wouldn't sound right. You started polluting the people of color on your way to have your white affluent life, and you're a racist because you drive. Damn you! So that's the gist of the story. So let me ask you, Bob, what do you think here? Do you think this has any legitimacy here? Do I think the whole... I mean, why does it have to be put into that context? Um, (laughs) No. No. Why why are you laughing at? Because Uh, you just asked the pertinent... Why does it have to be put in... Because liberals put everything into this context. It's always black. Hey, see, it's always me, black people being guess, and people I, of color I being victimized. I, I guess it sounds like I'm evading the question here, and or a little bit, and I'm driving around it a little bit. But my, I, th- my, I have a bigger question that ties into this. Uh, being a news person for a long time, 
I'm always doing polls on percentages, people who live in this area, people who live in that area, people who make this kind of money, people who make that kind of money. And all these surveys I've done over the years, reading over the air, is always divided into white people, Hispanics, black people, Asians. My question, why does it have to be dissected that way? Why do we have to put ethnicity into categories? So people why can hate we... each other. Exactly. So I think it goes back to that. You know what I mean? It's just, why are you guys breaking it down? Why do you... Because I you just, white people I think, own everything. I think that's more right. You rate. white people own all the cars, and you drive through neighborhoods where black people don't, because black people it's are in LA, they true. don't drive. It's probably true. They I, don't, I just it's think probably you're, true. Listen to him buying into this I, crap. I just think you're promoting racism when you when when i'm talking about the polls and surveys the way they're done you're like dissecting americans are little parts aren't we supposed to be all one all for all i know that sounds colorblind yes yeah, we are we and we should be but evidently it isn't that way and, and i yes. and i just think when i do those stories it kind of reminds me that gee why are we putting everyone into little categories that's exactly. all exactly so well, I'm sorry, thank you, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry if I didn't really answer the question. No, you didn't. You know but that's I mean? okay. Because <laughs> you gave us enough. I agree. <laughs> I agree with everything you say. Okay. Okay. I do. I do. I do. Thank you. I Unconditionally. Do. Okay. I appreciate it, Bob. Thank you. I mean, now me, by I, the way, we have New York freeways that cut through neighborhoods too, and you know, and by the way, Robert Moses. There's a whole story there for another day, you know, and supposedly the kind of racist things that he did as an architect of. Uh, of uh, the way people get around in New York City and New York State. But that's a whole nother deal. Like supposedly the Southern State Parkway, he put the, uh, the if you go on Southern State, the there were low, what do you call those things? The uh, the little bridges you have to cross through. The, 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 the trellises, yeah. Viaduct? Yeah, he put them low so that buses couldn't go through because he didn't want... Because he didn't want these city people, <clears throat> the blacks, going out to the beach at Jones Beach and stuff like that. Those are the stories that circulate around Robert Moses. But I don't know whether that's true or not. But anyway, this story today is just wow. You know, and we have we have we have a lot of highways here that cut through a lot of neighborhoods. Somebody's got to have. This is the Pete Buttigieg thing that the roads are racist, that everything's racist. All right, Scott. Your turn. Well, I'm hesitant to engage it just because it's so stupid. But if I were to, uh, um, I have three thoughts. One, I agree with our liberal opinion writer that L.A. is a terrible place to live and that it, it, there's really no reason to be there. Uh, he didn't say that. But he's implying it. No, he loves L.A. Oh, he does. He just thinks that the roads are racist. Okay. Yeah, the roads are racist because, you know. And and, okay. and and then he still likes to go hiking. He just doesn't want to mingle well, with those. Well, then I'm going to go off on my own and say LA is a terrible place. So okay. that, that's my first thought. Uh, number two, I you know the the air filters in your car uh, don't filter out uh, carbon monoxide. So you're while you may not be getting the pollen and the dust into your cabin, you're certainly getting plenty of exhaust when you're driving in LA. And number three, I don't care. That's okay. Really, really all, all right. I can say. Well, thank you. So the racist were the racist roads of L.A. Yes, built built on purpose to be racist. 
and white and affluent people are just racist because they just pass through drive-bys and they leave their pollution for the poor people of color in L.A. Yeah, that's in the L.A. Times. So, so far we've got Jane Fonda who wants to murder Republicans. We've got uh, affluent white people who want to murder people of color with their car pollution as they go hiking and go everywhere else and with the racist roads. Now, there are other issues at hand. New York City has a climate law, ladies and gentlemen, that you may know about. Climate law is called Local Law 97, part of the 2019 Climate Mobilization Act. You're supposed to be reducing emissions by 40% by 2030. Guess what? When you first heard 2030 way back then, you're like, eh, we got plenty of time. It's coming up. And now, with 2030 staring you in the face, this law is having consequences. One building manager told the New York Times, for instance, Craig Hart, that he could install solar panels on a roof, but it's going to need a $650,000 replacement in the coming, and in, in the roof is going to need $650,000 replacement in the coming year a new boiler system, all of this to meet with the new pollution standards in New York. Even if he does all this, he's still going to be ending up paying fines because he can't get to all this on time. Uh, Glen Oaks uh, Village Collective of more than 2,900 apartments in Queens, they have to spend $24.5 million replacing their gas and oil boilers over the next five to ten years. Even so, they are they are anticipating having to pay $700,000 a year in fines to meet with this new climate law. Here are your Green New Democrats. Now, who do you think is going to end up paying for all of this? These are just two examples. New York real estate owners are going to be smacked and smacked hard. They are going to have to pay tens and tens and tens, collectively hundreds of billions of dollars to retrofit New York City to these new climate laws that are coming in 2030. If they're going to meet it, they're already going to be getting fines. They've got to start now with some of this stuff. How do you think they're going to pay for it? Uh-huh. Your rent's going to go up. Your mortgage is going to go up. You can thank your little liberal friends there for this. And all the while you're going to be saying you're going to have that guy. Who is that guy running around talking about uh, rents or, you know, I'm talking about the guy that was running for office on the rent. On the rent. The rents are too damn high. Well, if he thinks they're too damn high now, you just wait till all this climate stuff goes into effect, and it's happening really soon. If you pay rent, you better get ready for a sticker shock because it is coming, and it's not going to be fun. This is the high price of progressivism. Now, I saw Curtis just walk by or something. Somebody's telling me Curtis said something about the Mexican highway thing. I, it was a news story I talked about. The Mexican highways aren't safe. 
So I don't know. If he wants to take issue with that, I'm going to have to find that news story. Because it wasn't my opinion. I don't go to Mexico because, to me, Mexico's not, well, anyway, I haven't been to Mexico in many, many moons. 800-848. Is, 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 is that Curtis? Okay, good, because I want to find out what is going on here with this. You know, Mexican highways are not safe. James didn't say it was in a news story. Oh, your poor, poor Diego, your board operator, ran out. He thinks that all of a sudden he's going to be taken in by uh, warmonger Lindsey Graham and brought out to Gitmo and waterboarded. What have you done, James Golden? What have you done? Well, Curtis, they tell me that, that somebody's telling me you better be warned. Curtis is going to take issue with you because you said that Mexican highways aren't safe. I was reading, I was citing some news story that I read that said every highway in Mexico not safe for Americans. The last place you want to be is on a Mexican highway. I couldn't see how anybody could object to that news story. I mean, you don't think Mexican highways are safe, do you? Uh, James, there are 250 million cars and trucks and vans that go into Mexico each and every year from the United States. I got to tell you, uh, they are not in danger. This is all hype. This is fear, fright, hysteria, and hype to lob some cruise missiles into Mexico. You're going to follow Lindsey Graham? Remember, he wanted to go to war in Iraq, Iran. I, I don't follow Lindsey Graham anywhere. But what are you talking about, Curtis? He's for, these Americans just went down there and got killed. And you're talking to you. You're the guy that I expect to be. You are the guy that I expect to be all for safety. Yes, Bob, what is it? Curtis, are you, like? are you saying the Mexican highways are safe or not safe? I'm sorry. 250 million vehicles go in and out of Mexico every year with Americans in it. Are you going to say that they're unsafe? And now we have spring break, and the FBI has told everybody, don't go to Cancun, don't go to Acapulco, don't go for spring break. Uh, I, tell that to Ted Cruz, remember, who left two years ago, left Texas in a state of disarray when they had, uh, it was frozen, they had no electricity, and Ted Cruz said, i got to join my, my family on spring break in Mexico. I just wanted to jump in because I'm, I'm personally tied to this just a little bit. Maybe I'm a little off the mark here. I've been to Matamoros. When I was working in South Texas, my wife and I took a took a ride down there. Across the border, it was like a rainy day. We're in Matamoros, going down Main Street, and I said, you want to get out of the car and walk around? And we both looked at each other again and said, no, because I don't think I'm going to have a car to come back to if uh, we get out of the car here. So uh, just... My little personal uh, experience yeah, with, notice with one the thing. roadways. Curtis is, Curtis is Mr. New York. We don't see Curtis showing off his pictures on Instagram about how he's hanging out in, in, in Mexico well, with the cartel me. guys excuse next to him. Excuse me. No. Excuse me, James. Go. I have guardian angels in Mexico City. I have them in Guadalajara. The leader of our group there is the Hulk Hogan of wrestling in Mexico, Vampiro. And by the way, you're more likely to get carjacked in Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Los Angeles, and Chicago than carjacked in Metamorso or Juarez or TJ or any of those border cities. You might be right. Yeah, And I'm not going to those places either. Who the hell wants to go to Chicago these days? By the way, you're going to go on spring break? Come on. Come on. The prices are right. Mojitos. You knock back a few mojitos. Curtis, I remember when my daughter was doing the whole spring break thing. And I said to her, please, please do not go to Mexico. And that was even then. Come on, Curtis. Really? Did she go? 
Of course she wins. And did Who's she come back? O- a- did she come back okay? What's the point? The point is, is Look. that we want a war. First, it was with Red China. Then we want it with Russia. Then all of a sudden we say, let's go after Iran, North Korea. Now we're making the axis of evil with the Quinella. We're adding Mexico to this. Don't you realize we create the demand for all these drugs? Americans have an insatiable appetite to consume drugs. And it goes way back to the 60s. Richard Nixon declared war on drugs. You know, I don't care how they, I don't care how they change. I don't care how conservative they are. The little lefty socialist comes out of them sooner or later. And here we are with the blame America first crowd again. Well, who's the biggest consumer of drugs in the world? Uh, United States. Okay, and uh, who has the money to buy the drugs? United States. That's right. It's supply and demand. Laissez-faire economics, right? University of Chicago, right? I mean, come on. The bottom line is the U.S. State Department put out an advisory about spring breakers traveling to Mexico, period, end of story. Yeah, how many of the the spring breakers are actually going to follow that? Come on, Bob. You know they know that species. They've been down there before. Come on. Come on, you guys. Thank you, gentlemen. You want to invade Mexico? No, it's just America saying Take the race. Highway down from hey, no, no, take remember, the racist highways from L.A. down to Mexico and have remember yeah. the movie Canadian Bacon where we wanted to take it over with John Candy. Maybe we'll call this Mexico Churros. We'll invade Mexico, Mexico Churros, a new movie, huh? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Boston it's Friday. When we take liberties on Friday, we'll be back. Boston Early's Rush Hour right after this. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush on 77 WABC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. It's Friday here in the Big Apple. If you want to be part of our program, 800-848-WABC. This is Sergio Mendez. It is an Antonio Carlos Hobin song. The Waters of March. Yeah, the beautiful. This is um, a song that was originally done in Portuguese. And Scott, we were talking about translations the other day. Yeah. The translation of this is very different than the English. Not very, but significantly different in some areas in the phrasing, of, from what I understand, from the Portuguese version to uh, to English. But it's still such a beautiful song. 
I don't think I know that song. Yeah, it's a beautiful. It's a beaut. What is it, March? Bring us back on WABC Talk Radio 77. You are aware, are you not, of the co- the latest Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick thing? Colin blaming his racist parents for problems in his upbringing. You're not? Oh, okay. Well, it's been blowing up on social media. Uh, Kaepernick accuses white adoptive parents of problems with his upbringing. The big deal, let's cut to the chase here. They told him, hey, you know, these cornbread, these cornrow things, uh, no, don't do that. Kind of look like a little hoodlum thing. And he's, I know my parents love me, but they were still very problematic things that I went through. He says, <laughs> he went on to describe one instance in which he wanted to get cornrows, which is a black hairstyle. But his mother had pushed back, calling them unprofessional and warning they'd make him look like a little thug. Oh, so that's racist. Yeah, problematic. You know, I my dad and, and, and my dad wouldn't let us wear black leather coats because he said it, they looked like thugs. And you're not going to go out here looking like little thugs. So I guess my yeah, I guess they were. Well, I'm not going to rag on my parents. I don't understand. You adopt a kid, you raise the kid, then the kid grows up, becomes a multimillionaire, and then he turns around and rags on his adoptive parents in public. Really? Really? It's like, why does everybody now have to go spill their family business out in the streets to everybody and, and denigrate their own family? I don't get it. Uh, Governor Hochul is saying that if Walgreens refuses to sell the abortifacient drug that's in question these days, that there are going to be consequences. All right. I just have a question for all of you. You know, the other day, uh, Gasm went on a tear about this. That would be Gasm the Great, Governor Gasm Newsom out threatening Walgreens and this, and and the problem is not even in California. Walgreens hasn't said they're not going to sell it in California. They're about, they're they're like 20 red states or some odd number of red states around the country that say, oh, the new abortion uh, laws don't prohibit, they prohibit this from being sold. And so Walgreens says, yeah, okay, we won't sell it in your states. And now liberals are jumping up and down, you know, undies in a wad, all uptight. And latest is a, is a hokel. So I have a question for all of you guys. You want to threaten Walgreens now? Because if there's a drug available, you must sell it no matter what. How come you didn't feel that way about hydroxychloroquine? How come you didn't feel that way about ivermectin? Or on the other side, how come you didn't feel that way about marijuana? Marijuana's legal in California. Walgreens doesn't sell marijuana that I know of. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Hmm, maybe you've just given them an idea. What? What? But can't can't you go down then any industry in any store and and make an argument and say, well, you have to stock this item, you know, or we're going to discontinue, or, or we're going to, uh, you know, fight back against your your store's brand in our state. I guess we're going to find out. You know, the, 
this could start the ball rolling into something pretty bad. Yeah. But, you know, that's not going to stop liberals. They're going to go ahead and do it anyway. But, I mean, I'm just, I love all this outrage now over the uh, the, uh, the, the, the abortion pill. How dare you not sell it? They sure didn't care about hydroxychloroquine. In fact, it was hard to find in some states. And, and some doctors were so scared they wouldn't dare prescribe it because of all the misinformation that was put out there about it. Yes, we're coming to your calls. I just want to go through a few other things, and then we'll break. All right, we already covered Jane, Furter, Jane Fonda wants to murder uh, Republicans. I'm going to hold the story until tomorrow. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And Diego was supposed to lead our morning dance, but I understand that Diego has some other pressing business. So we are going to have Scott, I think, lead the morning dance tomorrow. Halfway through the show, we stop down and we do the morning dance. And everybody in the studio has to participate. We all have to dance. Everybody in the audience has to dance. And we all have a good time. And I do hear from people in the audience who say, yes, we are dancing with you. So tomorrow morning, and by the way, we're having a great guy on tomorrow. Derek Hunter is going to be back with us. Our America's Small Caffeinated Mom is going to be part of the show tomorrow. And we're going to have a conductor, a conductor, you know, like the conductor, the guy with the baton that does like the big orchestra. That guy, yeah, Patrick Burns is going to join us. He is an amazing musician and conductor. And by the way, a week from Saturday, we're also going to spend an hour talking about music with one of the most amazing pianists in the world. Her name is Rachel Z. She played with Wayne Shorter. She's played with so many. She, If you want to know her stature in the industry, She's like on that upper echelon, like with the Herbie Hancocks and all that. So she's going to be joining us the Saturday after, and we're going to talk a little bit about music. But anyway, tomorrow morning dance and whatever's in the news. But I'm going to save a story for tomorrow about bullying. Bullying, because it really bugged me. But I want to get to some calls today. So let's stop down. We're going to get to calls. I want to get to as many calls as possible. It's Friday. We'll talk about the racist road, the, the spring breaks, the vacations in Mexico, and all the rest of it. Both nerdies rush out here on WABC. Don't go away. You became the light on the dark side of me. That when it snows, my eyes become a light, and the light that you shine can't be seen. Rush. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Bo Snerdly. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush. Now here's Bo Snerdly. 
It is our Friday afternoon rush hour here on WABC. We are the crown jewel of American radio. This was Rufus's first mega hit. Tell me something good on WABC Talk Radio 77. All right, pop quiz, quick. Who wrote the song? Don't Google it. I just just looked at the screen, so sorry. Cheated. Okay. Scott, who wrote it? No idea. Stevie Wonder. Now on, when you ask that question, I'm going to answer that, because that's okay. usually the answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's head to the telephones here. It is Friday. Uh, let's go to Wendy in Long Island. Wendy, thank you for holding. You're on Boston Early's Rush Hour. How are you, Wendy? Hey there, good. You are worth waiting for. You're a gem. Thank you. Okay. You, well, it's true. So what I want to say is the idea that roads are racist is a stupid argument, but there's a lot of stupid people out there. What is really happening is that in that neighborhood, like let's say in the Bronx where they're complaining about the poor air quality, before there were a majority black and brown people, there were a lot of white people living there with the same bridges and roads. So the problem is really a lot more people moving in per square mile, if you want to say, than used to be years ago. And maybe we should control the amount of people that we're allowing to immigrate into the city and plan better. Mm, density. Now, this idea of neighborhoods changing is really real. If you remember, and I'm, I am old enough to remember, all the stories surrounding, quote, unquote, white flight. And that was in, those were in the 60s in New York City, where you had neighborhoods that were predominantly white. And the, the uh, color, the complexion of the neighborhood started to change. And once it started to change, they kept changing. And this happens all the time, except in, so, look at Flushing. Anybody been to Flushing lately? Yeah, I grew up in Flushing. Right. And do you, if you go back to Flushing today, that Flushing that you grew up in looks nothing like the Flushing you grew up in. In fact, I the last time I was in Flushing, the last time I went to Flushing, I couldn't even, it's like, you can't read it unless you are fluent in some of the Asian languages. You can't read most of the signs, the store signs. And I'm not knocking it, by the way. I think that all of that adds to the beauty of New York, that you can go into different neighborhoods and, and experience. You can experience the world in New York. That has always been one of the things about New York that if you, haven't, if you didn't grow up in New York and you grew up somewhere else, you don't get this. New York is truly a melting pot. But it doesn't mean that it all melts everywhere. There are different neighborhoods and there, and with different vibes. So you can go to an Asian neighborhood, you can go to an Indian neighborhood, you can go and it changes. People get more money, they get affluent and they move somewhere else. 
People get poor, and then they got to move back somewhere. <laughs> this is the way of the world here. But that's one of the beautiful things about New York. It's not a negative. It's a positive. Sandra, thank you so much, Wendy, for the call. Sandra in New Jersey, thank you for waiting. How are you? Oh, you're well worth waiting for. Uh, thank you for taking my call. You know, yesterday you were talking about Chris Rock, and I mm-hmm. watched I watched the show, and I have to tell you, I think he's absolutely adorable. I love that he was wearing. He has energy like to no end. And the reason I watched it was because I wanted to hear what he said about Meghan Markle because I heard her friend was laughing behind the stage about what he had said. So that's what got me curious. But in the end of it all, I enjoyed him so much. The only thing I didn't like, I think you said the same thing. I don't understand why he kept using the N-word over and over and over. I don't, I don't, I don't understand that part. But other than that, I loved it. He made me laugh. He said a lot of things that are true. And he's adorable, absolutely adorable guy. What did you uh, think about the uh, Will Smith part of it? That's why a lot of people were watching. Were you kind of because – go ahead. What I think about that, he's right. He was saying that sticks and stones break bones, but actually he said when you get hit in the face, that hurts more than words. So he'll take words any day. So I think he was right on that, don't you? I think he made a point. I think I, I I laughed when he when he started talking about, you know, if you guys don't know this, Will Smith is a lot bigger than I am. He this is a guy that that, that takes his shirt off in movies. I don't take my shirt. I've never taken my shirt off in a. It was yeah. He was he was self-effacing in that part, and that was kind of very that that part of it. I thought was enjoyable. I agree with you. Yes. So thank you for listening to my thoughts. I love yours every day. Oh, you're wonderful. Thank you, Sandra. Love you, too. Thank you. Call us again. Andrew in Byron, New Jersey, thank you for waiting. Yeah, hello, Bo. Um, is, is Curtis still there? No, Curtis left. Oh, he left. He's going to be doing, like, probably, he'll probably end up on doing overnights and then the overnight overnight, and then he'll probably do the morning show and then he'll probably do my show, and then he'll do Larry Kudlow's show tomorrow, and then he'll do another show, and then he'll do his own show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Curtis, is, Curtis is all over the place. But uh, he needs to be stand corrected about what he said about that. He was talking about Cheech and Chong before. And that, uh-huh. that, that movie he was talking about is called Up in Smoke. Okay. You, you, you probably remember it. Well, he kept saying it was from 1970. It, well, add tack on eight years. It was released in '78 because I saw it in a, in a movie theater in Dutton, New Jersey, when uh, when it was a, a new movie. Well, let me ask you a question: yeah. Were you smoking some reefer while you were watching it? I think so. I think everybody. Hey, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and did uh, you back inhale? Then, back then, it was Mexican dirt weed with dead bugs in it and too many seeds and too many stems. <laughs> Boom. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. Well, we'll pass that along to him. He got the he got the year wrong, but he got the decade right. So there's a thing. Okay, Kathy in the Bronx. Hi, Kathy. How are you? Oh, hi there, Mr. Golden. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I grew up at the time the Cross Bronx was being built. I was living in the northern end of the hybrid section of the Bronx. I don't know if you know the area. I do. Just north the Yankee Stadium by, uh, I guess, University Avenue, Featherbed Lane Avenue. 
Anyhow, the neighborhood was basically white. There was quite a few Puerto Ricans there. We were all friends, didn't matter what we were. At that time, it cut neighborhoods in half, vibrant neighborhoods. I had friends that I couldn't see anymore because I couldn't get over there. Yeah. So I don't think it was racist. I mean, it was a white neighborhood. Like I said, there were Puerto Ricans, a few black people. We were all friends. And to just cut vibrant neighborhoods right in half. Big dirt piles everywhere. And this went through the entire section of the Bronx. And not every part of that section of the Bronx um, where the road was going up. Well, you had to get to the George Washington yeah, I had to get to the George Washington Bridge somehow. The thing that amazes me, Kathy, about the Cross Bronx is that I don't care what time of day or night it is. If you have to go in the Cross Bronx before you get there, if you're coming in from Jersey or if you're headed out, you always have to keep your fingers crossed. I wonder if I'm going to get caught in a massive traffic jam. The well, Cross Bronx Expressway is it's. It's its own being. It has its own life, and a lot of it is a nightmare. Out of my way to avoid it. <laughs> you and a whole lot of other people. Thank you, Kathy. Oh, yeah. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you here on WABC. Talk Radio is our Friday afternoon rush hour, and we're coming back. More of your calls straight ahead. Don't go away. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush. The Stones bring us back on WABC. Heading into your weekend here on the crown jewel of American radio. Be sure to be here in the morning, bright and early, for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. And stick around for our Saturday morning dance. Let's get back to the telephone, shall we? Ralph in New Rochelle. How are you, Ralph? Good afternoon, Mr. Golding. I know you were talking earlier about the local law 97, where they wanted to change these buildings to be carbon neutral. You may not know this, but about 25 years ago, Con Ed had a lot of these buildings changed from fuel oil to natural gas because it burned cleaner. And they did all the infrastructure in the street, put all the gas mains in, all the gas lines to these buildings. Now they want them to change to electric. And I don't believe Con Ed has the infrastructure 
underground to service these buildings with the electricity they need. And they're not going to be able to generate the electric power for these buildings. So they already what? made the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, they already made the investment in this infrastructure for natural gas, and now they're asking them to change to electric. This is what you get when you have progressives running the show. And let me tell you, this is going to cost people a lot of money because these buildings that have to spend millions upon millions of dollars to do these upgrades, they're not going to absorb these costs by them by themselves. A lot of this is going to get spread to the tenants. A lot of it is going to get spread to the people that are either renting or what, they're going to find a way to deflect some of the spending that they are required by law to do. And it is going to be painful. It's really another tax. What they're really doing is giving another tax to the citizens of the city. That's exactly right. Oh, it is. Exactly right. Ralph, always brilliant. Thank you. Appreciate it. Alex, Brooklyn, New York. Welcome. How are you, Alex? Hey, thanks for taking the call about the spring break in Mexico, the conversation you were having before. I actually think that the next couple of years is the last chance for people to go to Mexico for spring break. I could see happening in Mexico what happened in Afghanistan where the Taliban took over. I think that the cartel, um, that organization and that gang is getting so powerful because of all the money they're making by bringing these kids and immigrants across, illegally smuggling them across the border and charging all the money. They're they're literally taking over the country of Mexico. I think it's just a couple of years until they'll they'll be running the show and they're going to be governing in Mexico, and then it's going to be really dangerous to go there. And so this is the last chance that people have to go to Mexico for spring break or for any other time. You raise an interesting point. What happens when the lawlessness become institutionalized in the country? And from my point of view, not just Mexico, but if you go further down the border, and you go south of Mexico and into South America. And, you know, we've been fighting this wave of socialism slash lawlessness for over 50 years, folks, in some cases. Look at, look at what has happened in Venezuela. And look at what is happening now, how easy it was for Hugo Chavez to take over that country and turn it from a, a, a mostly democratic country, and now under Maduro, they're still suffering as a commie-slash-socialist country. And then you look at Mexico. You look at the, the power of these cartels. They pretty much run the show now. You look at the institutionalized corruption, and that should be a warning sign to America. Because when you see the kind of lawlessness that you see in American cities, and what did Curtis say when he was here? Well, it's worse in certain American cities. Hello? That's nothing to brag about. That is a dangerous course. And we are sliding in the course in, down that street of lawlessness, too, but at a slower rate than some of these other countries. Helena in Westchester County, thank you for waiting. How are you? <laughs> I'm so happy you got me on. I really, really appreciate your thoughts. This is something that nobody ever talks about. Is My opinion is that I don't think that sexual activity of, uh, is, it should be a personal thing as long as it's not rape, that 
they should not be uh, put down for it. It's a personal thing, and actually it's a good thing. If they do that discreetly, the politicians, and they're discreet about it, extremely discreet, um, that it shouldn't uh, affect politics. You know, Helena, so in other words, leave, keep your sexual preference quiet and discreet. Don't tell us about it. And go out and enjoy yourself. Live and let live. I think you're not going to find a lot of arguments with that. And you're also not going to find an argument when you say that, yeah, sex is a good thing. And I would say that as long as it's legal, yes, under, yes, you're not going to find a lot of arguments there either from anybody. Saturday morning is coming up, folks. Set the alarm clock early. Get up with us tomorrow at 7 a.m. For our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, we have so much fun. And thank you for being here today. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. I so appreciate you and so love you. Thank you for being here. We'll see you tomorrow morning, bright and early. God willing. Bye. Rush. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley. Bo Snerdley.